When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Euro Digest here on Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along with the group stage gone. Another day until the action restarts. Today, we're going to look back at our favourite moments so far, as well as laying down some predictions for what's to come. Here to do that, we have Mirror Football journalist Alex Milne and Matt Ketchell from the Newcastle Chronicle. Guys, I hope you're both keeping well. And Alex, I'll come to you first. And it felt weird yesterday for the first time in, what, two and a half weeks or so, not having a, a match of football to watch. Honestly, I was just wandering around my flat, flicking on the TV, not seeing any football, <laughs> devastating. Um, yeah, to be honest, I'd like to start by saying how pleasantly surprised I've been by the Euro so far. I think I personally was suffering a bit of football burnout at the end of the Premier League season. I don't know how much of that has to do with being a Spurs fan, but um, I just kind of felt like I needed a bit of a break. And I was a bit pessimistic just thinking the games would be, all the players would be quite knackered, um, which would then lend itself to kind of slow defensive games. But to be honest, so far, I've, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. It's been brilliant. Obviously, like any major tournament, you get kind of varying levels of quality. Um, but by and large, I think most of the games have been really entertaining. We've seen some great stories on and off the pitch. Um, and yeah, he's hoping it continues into the knockout stages. Yeah, Matt's, Matt, what's your take then? Because that, that is sort of the feeling sometimes, isn't it? The, the group stage, it can drag on a bit. And by the final round, everyone's just playing out their matches. But I think in every group, into the final day, obviously with the, the way the third place thing works, there wasn't really a side, maybe other than Scotland, who were who were looking as though they were staring down the barrel. Yeah, I wasn't sure about the the, the format. I know they had it in 2016. Um, UEFA brought it in. I, I wasn't sure about it, but then Wednesday night kind of underlined it. It's it it, it probably is the way to go actually, and it makes things interesting. Um, and it, and more teams, more games. I'm all for that. Um, unlike Alex, I, I kind of struggled to get into the tournament until Wednesday night. Quite a few draws, and I'm not a big fan of the the different cities across Europe. I, I really struggle with that. I I always think a major tournament should be in one country, and I know for financial reasons that hasn't been possible. But it's so much better, isn't it, when it's in one major country? I was lucky enough to get out to Russia for the World Cup, and everything from like you know the way they dress the streets, the fonts they use, the mascots. Like we've hardly even seen the mascot in this tournament and stuff like that, you know. Like I'm, I used to work for a kids' football magazine, so I noticed little details like this. So, um, little things like that just haven't made it feel tournamenty, if you know what I mean. The one, the one city that maybe has had a bit of a, a vibe about it has been Copenhagen. I thought the Danes got into it, and there's a bit of hype around that. And their game, their last group game was was really exciting, and there was like nice scenes on the full stadium, nice scenes outside the stadium, and stuff like that. So I struggled to get into it, but then Wednesday changed it, and then it set up some nice uh, knockout games now. So I, th- I think the tournament officially began for me on Wednesday night. Yeah, I get what you mean. It's kind of felt like international football, Champions League style. If you, mm. you sort of get the drift in terms of it being everywhere, but yeah, each to their own. I've quite enjoyed it being around the continent, but I, I do take your point. Let's get into what we've seen so far then of the action. And uh, Alex, first of all, who, which teams impressed you most? Well, I, I'd love to say something a bit different and a bit surprising, but I think I've just got to go with Italy, really. Um, I think 
I looked at the team beforehand, before the tournament, and I just thought, kind of, where's the where's the X factor? Where's that kind of classic Italian icon of the past in the mould of Del Piero, Totti, Pirlo, like a real leader who's going to drag them through those games? But I think what we've seen is just eleven very very good players who all know exactly what their role is, all know exactly what they need to be doing on the pitch. And I think all credit's got to go to Mancini. You know, he's kind of become a bit of a forgotten manager, I think, in some senses, ever since he's left Man City. You kind of almost forgot he existed in some senses, but he's just built this incredible Italian team. Um, I know, obviously, you'll people will say, well, they've not played anyone very good yet. Um, but, I mean, we've seen with England how difficult it can be to kind of struggle past these, these smaller kind of teams who defend for their lives. And to breeze through the first two games 3-0, have the luxury of resting a few players for Wales, and also now to set up a game against Austria before uh, the quarterfinals, which I think they'll inevitably get through. They're looking really strong, and I think, yeah, all credit's got to go to Mancini. I'm intrigued to see how they do against uh, one of the big boys. Yeah, I've got a feeling the first sort of Premier League big gun to lose their job next year, you could well see Roberto Mancini's name very high up in, in oh. the betting odds. Uh, Matt, who's impressed you and sort of... If it is to be Italy, where do you sit with them? Were they dark horses coming into this or were they always going to be sort of there or thereabouts? Well, they're traditionally a, a strong team, although they haven't done a lot in, in qualifying in, in previous tournaments to really capture the imagination. But I just think there's an amazing balance to that team. Every position looks looks really strong. Mancini's an experienced manager who's won things, knows what it's all about. I really like that he's trying to get the entire 23-man squad on the pitch um, at some stage this tournament because he missed out on on any minute at Italia 90. I, I love that story. I love their suits. Um, it's just a great vibe about them. Um, that so, interview yeah. after the Wales game was... <laughs> oh, come on. He knew exactly what was what was going on there. It was like he was on a catwalk in Monaco. <laughs> and fa- fair play to him. Bringing it, bring a bit of style. I don't mind that at all. They, they haven't been tested, but they've, they've, be, they've played what's in front of them and, and done really well and, and um, some... I don't see a weakness in that team. And I think they'll breeze through their, their next round game as well against Austria. So Italy, very impressive, but you can't really judge them, I don't think, yet. And I would say the same for Holland. Holland have, have finally, you know, you know, got it right, it, it looks like. And, and they, they breeze through their group as well. And, and there's some big, big players. Depay, I think Wijnaldum is a contender for player of the tournament already. He's, he's bagged a few goals. He's a player I know well as a Newcastle fan. I interviewed him when, when he was at Newcastle. Really nice guy. Delighted to see him get a, a big move. Every club in Europe seemed to want him. So he's he's gone up another level for me. So I've really liked Holland. And France, I don't think they've got out of second gear. I was interested to hear the comments of a French journalist who thinks that um, they had a really tough camp, a lot of fitness work going in there, and they're still kind of finding their legs. And, and, and the benefits of that fitness preparation is going to come in uh, into them in the in the in the knockout stages, so I, th- I just think I think there's France uh, and favourites, and then there's another group underneath that, which is England, Italy, Holland, Belgium, Portugal, Germany. Um, so f- still France for me, um, and I expect them to go really deep into the tournament. Yeah, Belgium, another one who's just been bubbling away, haven't they? But at the end of the day, with them, we we expect it. Matt, I'll come back to you in terms of the favourite game. Then you you sort of said that it took till Wednesday really for the tournament to capture your imagination. Which game has, has stood out for you then? Well, for, I did. I did enjoy Portugal Germany. I thought I thought that was I thought it was really great when Portugal opened the score and I thought, wow, I'm gonna we're gonna witness a, the death of a German uh, generation here. This is this is them, they're gonna get hammered and and, and and tumble out the competition in shame. But credit to them. That they're, they're Germany. They will they, they will always find a way and, and it was just a really exciting game. A lot of talent on the pitch and 
felt a bit like a Premier League game. Um, lots of co- bit of controversy, bit of vibe. I just quite quite enjoyed that game. But the the Wednesday night game, uh, France Portugal was was fantastic. There's just so much talent on the pitch, and the, what was happening, the permutations of the group. Um, you, you know, it was it was just that really that really was exciting. I was I was in a bit of panic as to which game to watch, flicking between channels. Um, and again, it, that you said at the the start, guy that, that had a real Champions League vibe to it. I almost wish there was like a BT goals show that I could watch where they just showed me immediately what's happening in the other game or some some kind of split screen action. But that that was that was fantastically fantastic entertainment and uh, just just so much talent on the pitch and, and just a reminder that there's some there's some huge names at this tournament and uh, th- th- there really is a potential to entertain there and, and and I think hopefully we'll see some more high scoring games and like that in the knockout stages. Yeah, definitely. I, I really do hope that the knockouts are, are poised for that kind of action. Alex, for me, the, the game really that stood out, actually Matt referenced it before, was the final game in, in Copenhagen, Denmark 4, Russia 1. I thought that was an absolutely brilliant game, albeit maybe not between sort of two of the bigger nations, but Denmark, after what they've been through, I thought was I thought that was an absolutely brilliant sort of spectacle and obviously result for them too. No, I agreed. It was, it was certainly one of the more emotional games of the tournament. You could see just the outpouring of joy and relief and happiness and that was fantastic to see and I'm really really looking forward to Denmark Wales actually I was going to touch on in terms of best game for the Wales Turkey one the 2-0 which kind of secured their passage through again was a a very emotional game for Welsh you know the Robbie Savage in the background kind of losing his head was you know not like him him. that's not like him is it (laughs) no 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 it's very uncharacteristic but um and yeah, him saying keep it in the corner and then them going scoring was all just brilliant. It just that's kind of what the Euros is all about, the fun and games of that, the kind of last minute permutations. Do you go for a goal? Do you keep it in the corner? Um so yeah, I think I think, yeah, like you said, the last round of games has been where it's really kind of set fire and um we've seen some brilliant stuff. And yeah, Wednesday night again, I kind of had two screens on. I was kind of flicking between two, didn't really know which game to watch. Um I had my dad text me saying, So who are we England playing now? Who are England playing now? I thought just just wait till full time, maybe dad, because it's changing every five minutes. Um, but yeah, no, it's been the last round of fixtures, I think, has been all real highlights of the tournament so far. Yeah, definitely. It felt sort of like final day, the, the Premier League type thing, working out who's Champions League, who's going down, this, that, and the other. Yeah. But yeah, great, great drama to it. Right. In terms of sort of rounding off the groups, then we're going to talk about our, our, our biggest surprise, whether that be team or individual, but also sort of the biggest disappointment for us. And I'll have to sort of say, for me, the biggest surprise, Matt, has been the the Dutch going into it. It sounded like it was going to be sort of a typically Dutch camp, that there was going to be controversy behind the scenes, a few egos flying here, there, everywhere, formational chat that was going to disrupt them. But they've come out of the blocks and they've they've been brilliant. High scorers in the tournament so far. Yeah, really exciting team as well. Um, young young team and a team with a point to prove, which is which is which is dangerous. And and coming in without big expectations has really helped them. They've played with a freedom, um, and there's a lot of confident lads in that team. Uh, Depay and Wijnaldum have just secured the biggest moves of their career. They want to go and show why they've why they are world class players. Um, so they shouldn't be underestimated. And they seem to have a young crop coming through as well which is which is really interesting i think delit is just a perfect center half uh, absolutely love the guy and uh, dumfries as well the, the fullback he looks absolutely tailor made for the premier league um i think someone someone needs to come in and, and and he looks a bit raw but i think someone needs to come in now for him and and, and they can mold him into a real top premier league wing back um, so yeah holland look holland look really great and uh, I, I think they can, i think they can go far in this tournament they're another one 
like Italy, I think they, I think they'll breeze through the, the knockout game um, against the Czechs, and 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 it could be very interesting for them going in without the pressure that certain other nations have. Yeah, who's sort of been the the biggest surprise element for you, Alex? I I think I was going to say um, Sweden, just because I think we talked in the last pod how whether the absence of Ibrahimovic would be a help or a hinder for them. And I think we've seen it's been a massive help in terms of they just look like so much more of a team. Um, We've seen they can defend pretty well. They've obviously kept a clean sheet against Spain and Slovakia. Um, Then they've also got goals in them. They scored three in their last game. And I think Isaac looks like a really, really exciting player, real massive talent. Um, I'm amazed he hasn't scored yet because he's had quite a few opportunities and he's been very lively. Um, But they've also got Forsberg, who scored three goals. And again, they've got a favourable looking last 16 game now in terms of, I think it's Ukraine they play, isn't it? Um, and my only worry, I really hope, it's a big if, but if England do beat Germany, I hope we don't just then underestimate Sweden. Because I think we all remember that game in 2018 World Cup, the um, quarterfinal against Sweden, where it was amazing how relaxed that day was really and how comfortably we beat them. But I think this, this Sweden is a completely different beast to that one. Um, and I think... You know, there'd be a temptation to get lose our heads after beating Germany and kind of think, well, you know, we're through to the final now. But they're a very dangerous team. And I think before the tournament, I didn't see them qualifying. I thought they might come either third or fourth. So to win the group was a big surprise and fair play to them. Yeah, and I, th- I think a lot of talk on Wednesday was about Paul Pogba's assist for, for Benzema, but also the passing play through for Mbappe. But Dejan Kulisevsky's dribble right down the length of the pitch and then teeing it mm-hmm. up for Forsberg. I think that was for his second, wasn't it? That was yeah. an incredible assist as well. And he missed the first game of the tournament for them. Matt, what about disappointments? Because yeah. there was a lot of talk about Turkey, wasn't there, before the tournament. But <laughs> I, I want to yeah. throw Russia in there as well. I thought they were, obviously they got the win against Finland, but I thought they were utterly abject. Yeah, totally, totally. A lot of people got burnt, including Mr. Alan Shearer for, for dark horses. But you could forgive him. They hadn't conceded many goals in qualifying. They took four points off France. It did It did look good on paper, but they just failed to deliver. And, you know, they had a, an ageing striker up front and there was just no goals in that team. So very quickly became apparent that they weren't dark horses. I think it's dangerous calling anyone dark horses. It's just so impossible to predict tournaments. Often bookies will offer incredible odds to predict two teams to come out of every group, 25,000 to one. It's impossible to do. There's always upsets and you just, you just can't call it. Um, but in terms in terms of disappointments, I'm really disappointed that England keep hitting the post. Um, <laughs> the, the, Phil Foden, if he if that, if that had gone in um, in the Croatia game, it would have just, re- the momentum and the, the the vibe of the whole tournament could have been completely different from England. An early goal like that, and imagine that had crept in and he'd gone to the behind the goal and done the dentist chair. Then the the, the whole tournament would have took off for England. So I'm really disappointed in England keep it in the post because that that could be the icing on the cake for England. A few more goals would have, would have given us a bit more momentum going into Germany. That said, I think the Germany game is winnable, and I think if you win that game, the momentum would push England into a semi-final at least so uh, yeah if England could stop hitting the post that, that would that would be that would be good and uh, I'm also disappointed I have, we haven't seen the, the remote control car again I thought that yeah. was going to be I thought I was going to be at every game um, so and, and, and that was a real disappointment so uh, if they could bring that in for the knockout so I think that would be that would be that would be interesting so yeah England hitting the post and, and, and uh, remote control car absence have been my disappointments yeah, no, Andy Dunham, sort of our chief writers around the group, Alex, were sort of calling that a gimmick and talking about other fads that we've seen at tournaments. But I loved the remote control car. I thought I thought it was here to stay. I thought sort of Nissan yeah. Super Sunday. I thought it was a, it was a new thing that we might have even seen brought into the Premier League. 
Yeah, yeah, big, big disappointment. That hopefully they bring it back for the final for a kind of one-off appearance. I think it'd get a good reception if it did. Um, just to add to the disappointing list, I, I would also throw the name Poland in there, just because yeah. I think obviously they rely heavily on Lewandowski, and you think if he's if he's not scoring or he's not having his best tournament, you can understand going out. But the fact is, he has turned up. He scored three goals, and you just think someone else in that team needs to step up, and they didn't. And I think. When you look at their team, they've got Premier League quality. They've got a good keeper in Chesney, who's again had a bit of a shocker of a tournament. The likes of Bednarek, Click, they've got a good team there. Um, so it's come bottom of that group, really disappointing. And I think you can just see how how quickly major tournaments can turn in terms of their first game. They were drawing one all with Slovakia. They were in the ascendancy. And then I can't remember who it was got sent off. Krachowiak, wasn't it? That really? one, yeah. Really and then they got on to lose that game. And then that completely changed the whole whole kind of story of the um of the group so i was disappointed with them i thought they'd, they'd at least qualify um bavaria really poor apart from Lewandowski, really time now then to get on to sort of second half of today's podcast and trying to predict look into the crystal ball and see what's going to come up in the tournament Alex I'll, I'll throw this one straight back to you favorites for the tournament now are we saying the French the Italians even the English oh let's not get carried away <laughs> <laughs> I think although I've, as I touched on before I was really impressed with Italy I think things have still got to be France um the fact they've come through that group and they've, as you said, Matt, they've not really got out of second gear yet. And yet they're unbeaten in three very difficult games kind of sums up their strength, really. And I think especially the front three are all kind of just starting to hit their stride. Obviously, Benzema was quite quiet first two games. Maybe with people questioning, oh, should he have been brought back? Then he goes and bags a brace. Mbappe, I think, has actually played really well, yet somehow hasn't scored yet. And you just think... One of these days, he's going to score a hat-trick and really terrorise the defence. Maybe that'll be Switzerland. Griezmann's been a bit of a slow burner, but again, he's worked really hard. He's kind of improving game by game. So I think they should easily beat Switzerland. I think they play either Croatia or Spain in the quarters, and I, I could see them beating either of those teams. So it seems to me like they might just hit their stride at the perfect time. And yeah, I mean, the, the prospect of them playing Italy in the semis is an absolutely thrilling one. That'd be an amazing game, but... I still think you can't quite look past France for winners. No, that half of the draw, I mean, England just stayed away from it, Matt. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the other last 16 game in that sort of Belgium versus Portugal as well, who I think if either of those kind of get through their game and face maybe Italy, if they beat Austria in the quarterfinals, again, whoever it is gets to that semi-final. If France to get there too, oh, it's going to be sort of some, some road to the final for whoever on that half of the draw gets through. Yeah, yeah, all, all the focus on that side of the draw while England quietly creep to the to the final. Maybe I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> <quietly>. <laughs> yeah, I try, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be, I'm a positive England fan, um, and I, and and I, I see a lot of similarities. I'm starting to see a lot of similarities with this tournament and, and Russia. The Colombia game at Russia was a, a a tricky one. That obviously this Germany game is is a tricky one. But if you get if you get through that, there is a path there, and it's all about it's all about momentum. England haven't conceded yet, and I think he's got a chance he hasn't quite got the balance of the team right quite yet but I do think he has a clear idea in his his mind what he's doing with, with this team um so yeah I I'm, I'm I was immediately nervous at the final whistle on on Wednesday night for the Germany game but I do think it's it's there to be won and and I think the euphoria that that victory would bring could be enough to push England 
into into a, the the semi-finals and, and maybe even the final but yeah just to to echo what Alex has said France are head and shoulders above anyone else at this tournament for me they've also I think got the best tournament manager Deschamps he's had that team since 2014 hundreds of games he could be the first person to win the Euros and the World Cup as a player and manager it's just like he is the best manager to have in this situation and I think that'll be the difference when they hit a big team like Italy in the semi-final so it's 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 Francis to lose for me. Yeah, well, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, but yeah, let's let's get away from throwing England's name anywhere near that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Let's talk about a few individuals then. And, and Matt, which players kind of do you think off the back of these Euros? We sort of so often see major tournaments as a launch pad for players to kind of make a name for themselves. There's been a lot of talk around Alexander Isak. There's been talk about around Manuel Locatelli as well with Italy. Who do you think? off the back of this tournament, we're really going to remember sort of rising to the fore. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Isaac is, is just great to watch. Um, like a crash-bang wallop player and, and a big, a big. he's got a big frame as well. He would be great in the in the Premier League. So he's someone I'd, I'd be interested in seeing. I think I've quite enjoyed the, the renaissance of uh, Renato Sanchez as well, who had a, a brilliant Euro 2016 and has hugely struggled since then, as we know, um, Bayern and coming to Swansea, and you thought he's burnt out already. But he's he's just quietly, you know, rebuilt his career. He's still so young, he could be he could be another one who who I think could come back and and, and push to be in that class of player that that, that is really special. So I've I've enjoyed that, and I've enjoyed uh, Spinazzola at uh, the fullback at, at Italy. I don't know if it's an Italian thing, but you know, a, a right footed left back is something that um, Alan Pardew tried at Newcastle with David Santon. Uh, I don't know if it's. Uh, it, it, it didn't have quite the effect that it's had with Italy, but he's another one who I don't know if it's too late for him to come into the, into the Premier League. But he he would be great, great big physical fullback. Um, and uh, I know Alex mentioned Sweden earlier. Emil Forsberg for me. I know he plays at quite a big club already, but he would be a great Premier League player and and such high energy. And I saw him a couple of years ago um, at the Emirates Stadium actually at a pre-season friendly, and uh, all eyes were on Naby Keita that day for for Leipzig and. And uh, for Salzburg, and then, um, and and I, I thought Forsberg is is, is a, a great player. He's having a, a great tournament, and he would he would be he could have a, a big move in him. So I think play teams might be sniffing around him as well. So yeah, it's it, it's been great, and, and the beauty of it is, I think there's there's still room for a, a star to emerge in this tournament as well. There's there's still a lot of games left. Yeah, most definitely. And with that, yeah, with Forsberg, it's always felt as though this is. Alex saying before, no Ibrahimovic or beginning to sort of move out of the international fold. He could be the next man for Sweden, but never quite seemed to live up to it at other major tournaments. But he certainly has delivered thus far. But Alex, a point Matt makes there, still plenty of time, isn't there, for somebody to come out of the woodwork? Yeah, definitely. Um, this, this chap called Ronaldo looks quite good, doesn't he? <laughs> I think he might go on and have a decent career in. Yeah, he might be right. Um, I, actually, I was going to mention Spinazzola as well. I think, one, because... I think he's definitely the best name in the tournament. That just rolls for tongue. That's Spinazzola. I love it. Um, but I, I didn't know anything about him really beforehand. I knew he played for Roma. I hadn't really seen him play. But especially that first game against Turkey, he looked brilliant, kind of bombing up and down that left flank. He had a big part to play in the second goal, I think, where he shot and it was it was palmed out for the goal. Um, and I'm intrigued to see if a certain Jose Mourinho can get the best out of him next season at Roma. Um, but yeah, he's, no, he's really impressive. And as you, yeah, as you touched on, San, Renato Sanchez as well. I think um, all the Italians really like there's players like Locatelli, Immobile, Insigne, but 
again, I think pe most people knew, but didn't quite know how good they were. And they've all kind of looked like world beats in this tournament. So, again, credit to Mancini for getting the best out of them, really. Yeah, Pedri's another one, isn't he, with Spain, who's kind of... Yeah we've been able to see really for the for the first time but I suppose then moving on Alex in terms of golden boot Cristiano Ronaldo's already got five surely it's going to be his added to the collection I don't think so I'm going to go for a dark horse actually and I think Benzema might do it because oh. I just have a feeling Belgium are going to beat Portugal um it's kind of I, I just feel like it's for Belgium's time and I thought Portugal started really well and kind of looked slightly like they're fading going going on um, so I think Benzema's on two. If Ronaldo doesn't score next game, Benzema's obviously got the rest of the tournament to score in. I think he might just do it. I think he might just hit a little purple patch now and you know fancy him to bag a few against the Swiss. Also, I think I don't know if you saw the stat the other day, but he scored his first goal after 46 minutes 44 seconds, and then his second goal after 46 minutes 44 seconds. So I think that's a sign from the footballing mm -hmm. gods he's going to go on and uh, and bag a few more. So yeah, he's my kind of dark horse of the Golden Boot. I like that one. I like that one a lot. But um, yeah, Matt, in terms of yourself, you said you're an optimistic England fan before. Harry Kane? <laughs> well, I, I think I think obviously Sterling's putting himself in yep. a great position for the Golden Boot, and that would be a brilliant story, wouldn't it? The you know kind of written off prior to the tournament, question marks over whether he should start, and he's making us all look a bit silly for that because he's he's delivered the goals, and it would be an amazing story, wouldn't it? The lad who grew up a stone's throw from Wembley. If England can get past Germany. I think they've got at least a couple more games left in this tournament. Um, it, it, it could happen, and I would I'd love to see that, to be honest with you. Uh, Sterling getting the golden boot. But Kane, yeah, it's, he'll be furious with himself that, that, that he hasn't scored. It'll, re it'll really be bothering him. And um, I think Man City are, are quite clever to, to start negotiations for him because they might knock a, you know, 20, 30 million off the price if they if they start negotiating while he's out of form. So it's a, it's a good time to buy, uh, really, and uh, it, it's going to be an interesting one for Kane. But yeah, he re will really be desperate for a goal and uh, no better team to get it against than the Germans, eh? Right, I've got a bit giddy whilst we're recording this and a bit excited. So I'm going to throw one last one at you guys. It's the prediction I think everyone wants to know. Where are England going to get to in this tournament? Alex, I'll come to you first up. How far are we going to go? Oh, don't go to me first. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm really nervous about this Germany game. Just yeah. over the past, just because of all the kind of history around it. Having said that, I was, I'd have been even more worried if it was Portugal because I'm still kind of emotionally scarred from 2004, 2006, where as a kid, I kind of cried in the garden after the penalty defeat. Um, do you know what? Sod it. We'll, get, we'll, we'll win it. We're going to win it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Head, head ruling the heart. I have to say, for, for me, um, <laughs> drunk off the emotion of Russia, I think if it, I just think if we can start consistently trying to deliver semi finals, as you said, Alex, growing up, it was always quarter finals and defeats to Portugal. But if we can just start taking that next step and we are building as a nation, as a country with the talent we've got coming through, I'd snap your hand off for a semi final right now. But Matt, what about you? Well, I think for England, the Germany game is is their final, it feels like to me. Win that, and then I think England can make the final, and, and that'll feel like a win. So that's where I'm with it. The, the, it's all it's all all stakes are on the Germany game for me. The, the, it opens the path, and, and then I think England can get to the final, but then I think that's a game too far. I think the emotional energy that it will take to get to the final and the pressure on that game, um, I don't think they can win it, but I, th I think the final is definitely on if they can beat Germany. 
Oh, well, we'll have to, to wait and see how it does play out for England, for the knockout stages and, of course, for the rest of Euro 2020. We'll continue to bring you daily podcasts here on the Euro Digest, on the Football Digest podcast feed. Do check us out wherever it is you get your audio on demand and do hit subscribe, whether it's Apple Podcast or any of the other major platforms. But from myself, Guy Clark, Alex Milner and Matt Ketchell, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now. Bye for now.